This is Marketing Then and Now, a talk and tell with Bozell where we talk with experts about trends and practices, current and tried and true, and we tell you how to implement them in your own marketing strategies. It's Marketing Then and Now, now. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Marketing Then and Now, a talk and tell with Bozell. My name is Jim Mingi, and I will be your host today on what is expected to be a checkered flag affair. We're talking AI today, artificial intelligence. This is part four of our four-part series. Uh, so parts one, two, and three have already been posted. You can listen to those episodes via the platform that you're listening to this podcast on. Um, so far, we've talked about some of the many ways that AI is changing marketing and advertising, changing the whole landscape. Uh, we've got into the ethical considerations of AI when it comes to marketing and creating the creative for advertising. And we've talked to, uh, to a modern AI fanboy who shared with us his experience of tinkering with AI platforms over the past 10 or 15 years. But this... This is the grand finale. This is part four. We saved the best for last because today, with us today, is Tracy Malingo. She is the chief operating officer at Ciprical, and she's also a NASCAR fan. You'll see how that comes into play a little later. But for now, Tracy, welcome. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot of pressure and a lot of money. I certainly appreciate uh, being part of the series. <laughs> Very good. Well, I guess, Tracy, start with by telling us, uh, in a nutshell, what is Ciprical and what you do there? Yeah, certainly. So at Ciprical, we, we see ourselves as the future of intelligent audience engagement. And what we mean by that is we take and combine kind of the power of first screen distribution. And so in the sense of this conversation, it'll be mobile and connected TV, uh, first party data, unique and exclusive content and gamified experiences to really create meaningful connections between users, audiences, brands, and our partners. It is a reciprocated relationship <laughs> in that we are trying to drive value for all parts of, of that ecosystem. Awesome. Okay. Well, Tracy is here you know, to help us understand how companies like Ciprical um, are utilizing AI and advertising to get precise audience targeting, um, content recommendations, ad optimizations, all in an effort to, to better understand consumer behavior, which means ultimately delivering personalized ads and maximizing engagement. So for the explain it to me like I'm five crowd out there, that, that means in the AI, in the, in the ad world, AI learns what you like and then helps advertisers show you ads based on those things you like. That was a simple explanation, and, and we're going to get into a much more detailed uh, uh, explanation of that here shortly. But the key difference maker here is that, at least in Ciprical's case, they're doing it with 100% transparency. And that's one of the areas that we want to cover in this episode, is how AI technologies are helping with things like monitoring and improving user experiences in the context of performance and transparency. And so, you know... Transparency as it relates to AI has always been, you know, an overarching challenge. So Tracy, what's different this time? What's different today? You know, how can we ensure that transparency remains intact as new AI technologies and applications are created? Way to start us off. Like, I like it. Um, so uh, I've been fortunate to be and have worked in AI for over 15 years. And it's amazing, right, to see the revolution that's occurring within AI and specifically around transparency. And you're right. It, transparency has been and continues to be like a key challenge that 
that everyone is, is focused on and facing. So when we think about transparency in AI, it's all about unlocking and like demystifying the black box. Mm. AI is traditionally the mysterious black box. black box. Yes. But what's interesting is the difference today, even from a few years ago, is really the democratization of AI. So you mentioned you had a fanboy on on, on the last session. Well, he probably didn't imagine being his own kind of AI expert a couple of years ago. But today, AI is accessible to everyone. Yeah. You don't have yeah. to be a computer specialist, a data scientist to engage or develop AI. It's really available to everyone uh, who wants to. And as a result, um, you know, the visibility that we're used to seeing and how we go about building that is becoming uh, more of a market demand and expectation. So I, I believe that all the transparency, transparency has always been a challenge, that this democratization and everybody getting involved and in understanding what it takes to build AI and make good AI is going to help drive kind of more transparency. It's really kind of taking that black box and turning it into a, an open box, more or less, um, and being willing to expose kind of the when and how right, that we are using technologies um, in order to make decisions. That's really what AI is about, is using mass data to make decisions. And at Cyprical, this is core to our strategies around that transparency. What about, you know, so this leads right to the next question, which is those industry standards for transparency. I mean, are there, can you talk about, you know, what standards might be in place now or what standards need to be in place going forward and how those might be able to be uh, implemented effectively? For sure. There's, there's a bajillion, if that's even a word. <laughs> it is now. <laughs> We're making it up. The regulatory landscape for AI is truly just evolving every day. Um, there's, whether it be across industry, you know, state and local government, federal government, globally, there's just an explosion of regulation and importance and visibility around regulation that's coming coming forward. A handful of years ago, I remember maybe it was eight or nine, we were talking about within the AI community, you know, different standards and what we would be wanting to do and implement to make sure that we were, you know, creating good AI, ethical AI, right? <laughs> from, from yeah. that perspective. Yeah. And then you fast forward today and there's hundreds right, of regulations, laws, bills, guides, best practices that are all in various stages. Uh, you know, what I say is a couple of things. If you want to learn more about the actual standards that are in play, there's a handful of different sites that, that people can go educate themselves and look at. Those sites include the IEEE site, NSIT.org, uh, AIStandardsHubs.org, uh, there are NCIS.org. There are a number of uh, resources out there to go look at it. Uh, it can be overwhelming. How do you know that, I mean, with all those sources, that the information you're getting from that source is the correct information? I mean, it seems like there should be an overarching authority to this, no? The, 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 not, there is in process, right? And it will continue to evolve okay. and there will be. But I will say this, for effective implementation, it starts with protecting the consumer. If you look at all the regulations that are out there or in play today, they're around consumer protection. And so that is the primary thing you want to do. You also want to promote ethical use of AI. Um, and how you do that, I believe strongly um, and have for many years, is, is incorporating what we refer to as human in the loop. 
process. And, and that's what helped ties us to transparency. So as the world, you know, the globe down to our local entities and even our industry specific areas start to, to you know, take into effect and, and put into motion all these regulations, as someone who is working in it today, obviously educate yourself and continue to, to you know, take uh, a lot of review of those, but know that for right now, you should always center yourself on protecting the consumer, being ethical uh, with your AI and, and making sure that you incorporate humans in the process. Do the right thing. We'll keep our fingers crossed. Yeah, it's <laughs> but, like- but, but but right now that's kind of like you said that's that's just where it at. That's where it's at. But you did mention some some best practices. So uh, what about some best practices? You know, some basic best practices that people can use. You know, to to strike that balance between you know delivering that personalized experience, but also <laughs> respecting that privacy. That's kind of a you know. You want to give them a personal experience, but you also want to respect their privacy. So, you know, it's uh, how do you do both? How do you do both carefully? Uh, it is yeah. a good question and one that that I think every digital advertiser, right, is asking themselves and, and incorporating into their day-to-day conversations and should be if they're not hyper-focused on. Personalized and contextual advertising is really one of the significant opportunities of AI because it allows you to take all the massive data that's out there and draw inferences and like draw relevance from it. And so you're teased, right, with the ability to be super personalized and, and very contextual. And, and what I do is I always, uh, you know, I tell our team and, and I always tell folks uh, some sage advice that I think is out there in the universe is, is when, you know, Uncle Ben told Peter Parker with, <laughs> with great power comes great responsibility. And as an advertiser, you have more data than you've ever had. And so you have all this yeah. power to do, you know, everything you can. Best practices start with the core tenant of building trust. And, and, and that is no different than it was many years ago. It's just different tools that you're doing it with. Be transparent when you're using AI. So let people know when you're leveraging AI as part of your solution. What data is being gathered so people understand what data is being gathered through the systems as part of kind of this initiative, uh, how it is being used to make the decisions and what the outcomes are they can expect. So by doing that kind of setting up those best practices, as they said today, uh, with the power that is AI and the balancing act to do, uh, you know, the, diff- the balance between relevancy and privacy is really all about fostering that trust and, and driving that positive user experience. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, what about uh, a specific example? Let's, let's get into maybe an example or two of how AI is currently, you know, improving ex- uh, user experiences in advertising. Any maybe a success story uh, or two that you can highlight, share with us? Yeah, let me let me talk a little bit um, just quickly kind of about how it improves the, the user experience and then I can give you a success story. So... For for when we look at AI improving kind of user experience, I think it's all around context and relevance for a user. So when I say that the amount of information that we are pushed in any given moment in time, as well as what we pull, is is immense. If you think about, you have access to, you know, your mobile devices and and you know. TVs and computers and screens and news and 24 hours. And it's just a constant kind of bombardment, right, of information that is coming into you. 
And, you know, I don't know about you, but like, how do you, how do you filter that to what is important to me? <laughs> it becomes, like I say, in a lot of cases, it's, it's generally overwhelming. It's very it much is, It is. And, you know, there's no end to sight, right? From, from that perspective. It's exhausting. At the end of the day, it can be exhausting. So when we talk about AI and how it can improve user experience and, and really it's intelligently applying, you know, the data that they have to messages to present to me, to help me wade through all that immense amount of information and, and content that's out there to, to offer me something that is meaningful and important to me. And that that's something that I would take action on. Um, I want the advertiser to do the work for me. <laughs> Meaning I, I want you to take all of the, you know, know enough about what I'm doing to be able to present me with something that is going to be, uh, you know, important to me, but that, that meaningful to me. Uh, one example that I'll give on kind of a success story and a use case on, on that from a, uh, you know, improved user experience. And I think we're all about ready to come up on this is, is political advertising. Oh boy. Oh boy. It's um, coming. It's coming. It's coming. And it's coming. It's, it's going to come in an unprecedented amount, uh, you know, through every, you know, possible situation and challenge. As, as a user, I, I have a certain um, affiliation and policies and parties and, and those types of items that I am interested in. That is half of the noise that's in the system <laughs> from that perspective, or a third of the noise that's in the system, depending on how we look at things. So, so recently we were doing some political work with a candidate who really wanted to make sure that they were advertising and targeting uh, individuals that were of a certain party or a certain policy behavior, you know, not blasting it out to anybody who was in the right frame of mind to be able to, to learn and understand and take action on that. That's a benefit to the candidate, mm -hmm. but as a user, the ability to kind of specifically target knowing enough about me to, to weed through all the stuff that I really don't have any interest in and, and get me information about maybe a candidate I didn't know and their specific policies that ties to what I, what I, you know, would generally go and take a look at, uh, and creating those kind of strategies around it is something that from, you know, the user experience on that for me is, is greatly appreciated yeah. and it, it aligns either the content that I'm receiving to the, to the mindset and to the, to the actions that I will take. It helps. It's it's nice as you're getting bombarded with information that some of it's you know of relevance mm -hmm. and a value to yourself. So it, it that's is always a bonus. bonus. And, and, and it, you know, there's <laughs> there's a whole uh, there's a whole other stream of some AI work that uh, I had done some some previous work on, which was like predictive unpredictability, and that even you know within unpredictable natures, right, you could find predictive matches and algorithms. But when it comes to just like right. I say, the amount of uh, information and and content that is out there in the universe like i need somebody to do that work for me filter out the noise uh for me and get me stuff that is is, is relevant and contextual to to what i want and that's kind of what Supercool does right that, that is exactly, <laughs> that is exactly <laughs> what we're doing. well so that that's exactly what we're doing all right. Well, I thought so because that 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 leads me into my next question is, you know, let's get into how Cyprical uses uses AI. Um, and let's start with how data is collected. 
and what kind of data is collected. And this is where I, I wanted to get into that NASCAR reference because you know I've heard you say that in, in use case of leveraging data and AI and NASCAR, you, you can that would help us understand how this can be leveraged in digital advertising. So I need to know, I need some more from I need you to elaborate. What do you mean by this? How is NASCAR it tie into to AI and advertising? Give me some more info here. It, it seems like a, a bridge too far to cross sometimes, doesn't it? Uh, so let's go on a little journey. Just hang with me for a few minutes. No, I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> but, but I but I think you're you know you and your users will appreciate where I'm going, and, and at the end we'll very clearly see kind of how this aligns. I think uh, NASCAR to me is is a perfect use case of how to utilize performance uh, data and AI to really drive winning results. I am, as you mentioned, I'm a big NASCAR fan. Have been for many, many years. Okay. And how it started was not my love of going to a track with a hundred thousand of my closest friends to go <laughs> watch guys drive in circles for four hours. It really started with an appreciation of the technology and the real-time data and attributions that were happening on the track. My husband dragged me to my first race. And I was instantly mesmerized by the whole experience hmm. and, and have taken it and, and leveraged and used what they do across all of my AI work for many years. So let's, let's start on that journey. Okay. When, when in NASCAR, when they're getting ready to go to a race, they do a pre-setup of their car. So they say this is, you know, whether it be through driving in simulators now or previous track performance or previous car performance, they will say, this is how we need to set up our car to go win at this track. And every track is different and they have all that data from past races and all that information and they build their car. Hmm. Then they go unload it at the track. And then what happens? Well, the driver gets into it. There's all kinds of information coming in. The weather's different. Than they were considering the temperature on the track is different than what they thought maybe drivers are driving in different lines and they're getting better results than what they expected so the crew chief is getting all of this real-time data into them you know in moments and seconds driver feedback temperature weather traction all of those things are occurring and in real time they're taking all that information and they're making predictive adjustments to make sure that the performance of their car, right, will get them into a winning situation. They're changing air pressure, they're changing track bar, they're changing wedges, they're doing all of these things that are continually tuning the car, all to make sure that at the end of the day, they're in a spot where the car is performing to win. And they're doing all that in real time, like doing boom, 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 yeah. All in real time. If you look at a, at a pit box at NASCAR these days, it's it's like a knock center back in the old days, right? Where you have screens and screens yeah, and yeah. screens are just processing data in real time. The driver saying he's tight going into turn three, loose coming out of turn four and, and you know, the weather channel sending their inputs and it, all of this information is being processed in real time. And they're making these tuning and adjustments as they go in order to drive to a specific performance level. It is, it is a beautiful, beautiful <laughs> example of taking real-time data and, and adjusting in, you know, in order to drive and, and, and get a winning result. I love it. I love everything about it. As a digital advertiser, let's just make a quick connection. 
at the beginning of an advertising campaign, you input your data as far as these are the audiences we want to reach and this is how we want to target them. And you put that into a system and you run a campaign. But then in real time, you can get so much more data. How is that person engaging with, with the content? Are they looking at you know, similar content across different screens? Are they, what is going on? And, and you can make those real-time optimizations to, again, drive winning results. So I think that we, you know, we can all learn a lot by, by how you, you take that, uh, both from a performance and a transparency standpoint, and use it across, especially within digital advertising. Uh, in order to say, this is how we can best leverage real-time data and adjustments in order to drive, you know, winning outcomes and results. Now, have you ever considered, you know, maybe after your life at Cyprical that you you might be able, a member of a pit crew, you know, provide some data, data analysis for for the race oh, racers? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, Jim, it, my love for it. So I've been in AI for 15 years. I've been in technology for almost 30. If I had to do it again, you know, in this next life, I, I would have from college got my probably engineering degree, mechanical engineering degree, and I I would be one of the crew chiefs sitting on You'd top be of in that. There. Nice. Getting all that data and just making all those real time decisions. Like that is that would be the next the next oh. career. Well, it's a rush. I mean, what a rush. And, and I'm guessing that, you know, a lot, a lot of you guys at, at Cyprical have that same feeling, that 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 rush of of being able to to serve these ads and make these adjustments in, in real time to give, you know, both, both the user, their, their personalized content that still respects their privacy. And you're also giving that, that publisher and the advertiser, you know, what, what they need with the data. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a win-win, you know? It, it is. <laughs> like you say, the, the goal is to win. And for advertisers that, that comes across as, as many different things from their KPIs, but you want to, adjust your performance to predict and forecast a win. And that is, and that is what we do. And uh, that to me is, is why this is a super exciting time to be in, in digital oh, marketing. It, is. Not but it, pit box. <laughs> it absolutely is. It absolutely is. Well, uh, we're, we're coming up on our time, but I, I, one thing I wanted to ask you is to maybe as we wrap this up, take a look ahead, maybe a little bit, uh, what are maybe some upcoming AI powered features or innovations that we might see on our connected TV devices or mobile devices or, uh, you know, any, any kind of new, uh, and mobile too, you know, future of mobile and connected TV and advertising, any kind of trends that you, that you can kind of tease? Absolutely. So we're real excited about what we're referring to in the future and, and kind of now as, as audience everywhere. So as we talked about kind of where Cyprical is focused, it's really on that first screen distribution and that first screen activation. Uh, whether you're sitting on a couch watching your connected TV or you're walking around on your mobile device, we are excited and we believe real opportunity is using AI as connected tissue between all those devices to make sure that we're doing precise, relevant audience targeting and messaging. And even more so to be able to, to take kind of the whole life cycle of somebody who is engaging on one device, moving to, so engaged on their CTV, moving to their mobile, using different channels within mobile and be able to have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with that person across all of those devices to engage them 
and, and monetize them effectively, you know, for our advertisers. Let me give you a quick example. The other night, um, Thursday night, I was watching the, the football game on Prime. And I wasn't just sitting on my couch, uh, although I was sitting on my couch watching my TV on the wall, watching Prime and watching the game. I was also on my phone at the same time on my mobile device, looking through X and, and watching the feeds come across about the plays and what was going on and all yeah. that. Oh, I, I do the same thing. Yeah. 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 All the, right. And so, and so your dual devices at the same time, uh, same audience, same set of eyeballs, but dual devices at the same time. So how do I make sure that I'm connecting you know, that this person is watching the game, they're on their device, they're watching these Twitter feeds, or they're on these other social channels. How do I target and engage them in a way that's really intelligent and relevant? To us, that's called reciprocal audience everywhere. It's the work that we're doing with, with our data, with our distribution uh, methods that we have right now. And like I say, with AI being that connection uh, between those to make sure that, that at the end of the day, Jim, we want to deliver the right message at the right time for the right action to the right person. You know, all about winning to go back to the back to the race. Got to get that checkered flag. Got to be the first to cross the line. Well, yes, you, do. you have been uh, I mean, we packed a lot into just a short amount of time there. And and that information was just amazing. I lo love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Tracy, thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate your insight. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Marketing Then and Now, a talk and tell with Bozell. Uh, be sure to subscribe, hit the like button, and tune in next time uh, for what I'm sure will be another tantalizing episode. Until then, this is Jim Mingi signing off from the Bozell Studios somewhere in middle America.